Good afternoon and welcome to the Tuesday edition of the Manitoba Farm Journal. I'm your host, Corey Canute. Coming up this afternoon, we'll have another edition of the Bean Report. Also, we'll hear from Remy Goslin with the Canadian Grain Commission. Up first in today's country comments, we've got a crop pest update from John Gawoski. The latest farm news and market numbers all coming up over the next 60 minutes. The time now is 12 o'clock. Here's a look at our local news. Good afternoon. You're listening to the Manitoba Farm Journal. Joining us on the program today is provincial entomologist John Gavlosky. To start things off, he talks about a few reports of wireworms. Been a few reports in mainly uh, small grain cereals, so oats and wheat, of um, some relatively high wireworm populations. Now, wireworms can be very patchy in a field. It's usually not a case where a whole field is infested, but there can be often be patches where they're more numerous and. Um, it will look like things just aren't coming up as well. So if you see that, it's good to dig around and see if wireworms might be the issue. Um, the um, tricky part is once you've seeded, there's really nothing you can do about wireworms in this coming or uh, the uh, the current season. Everything needs to be done at seeding or prior to seeding. And uh, talk a little bit about um, cutworms. Um seeing here that uh, some are being found, but um, levels are, are still quite low, I guess. Yeah, we haven't had any uh, large populations reported yet, and that's not really unusual because it's normally uh, late May and the first couple weeks in June when we have our, our um, biggest populations reported and the most damage. Now, what we are seeing right now are some of the species that overwinter as partially grown larvae. So... There's a species called dingy cutworm, one of the potentially more damaging species. There was a lot of them the last couple of years. Uh, hard to say this year whether the populations will be tailing off or not. I haven't had any reports of big populations yet. Um, people are digging up the odd one, but again, nothing of uh, too much concern. Uh, the other one that we are seeing is a species called black army cutworm. And as the name might imply, black. It's got a little bit of white striping. And what is really confusing to people is it almost looks, uh, in some regards, similar to the black phase of Bertha armyworm. Now, Bertha armyworm is a pest of canola, sometimes flax and quinoa and a few other crops. We don't see Bertha armyworm larvae until July. So black army cutworm, they're a type of cutworm. They overwinter as a partially grown larva. They're not one of the more damaging cutworm species. We very rarely see large numbers of them the way we do with red-backed or dingy cutworm. Uh, quite patchy. They do have this habit. Uh, they will move from an area that doesn't have a lot of vegetation or where the, the, the feeding isn't uh, really abundant for them to uh, better feeding areas, and they will often move as a group, hence the name army in the uh, in the, the name black army cutworm. Anything that has the name army in the name, such as army worm, um, army cutworms, they often do have that habit where they travel in groups to better feeding areas. That was John Gavlosky with Manitoba Agriculture. A look at what's happening in the markets this afternoon is coming up. Good afternoon, I'm Corey Canute. Ceres Global Ag has announced plans to build the $350 million integrated canola processing facility in Northgate, Saskatchewan. The facility will have capacity to process 1.1 million metric tons of canola 
and refine over 500,000 metric tons of canola oil for both food and fuel annually. It's expected to be operational by summer of 2024. The Canadian Grain Commission is proposing to reduce service fees collected for four official grain inspection and official grain weighing services. Remy Goslin is head of communications. On August 1st, 2021, the start of the 2021-22 crop year, the Canadian Grain Commission is proposing to reduce uh, fees for uh, official inspection and official weighing services uh, based on adjusted uh, grain volume forecasts for the next three years. What this means is that uh, the changes would result in a combined official inspection and weighing fee reduction from a buck 48 uh, per ton to a buck five per ton, which is a substantial uh, reduction in terms of fees. The proposed reduction comes two years before the end of the current fee review cycle. And high levels of wireworms were reported in some cereal fields in the central region. John Gavlosky is with Manitoba Agriculture. been a few reports in mainly uh, small grain cereals, so oats and wheat, of relatively high wireworm populations. Now, wireworms can be very patchy in a field. It's usually not a case where a whole field is infested, but... There can be, often be patches where they're more numerous and um, it will look like things just aren't coming up as well. So if you see that, it's good to dig around and see if wireworms might be the issue. The tricky part is once you've seeded, there's really nothing you can do about wireworms in this, the current season. Everything needs to be done at seeding or prior to seeding. He adds some cutworms are also being found, but not at high levels. That was a look at today's farm news. I'm Corey Canute. Good afternoon and welcome to the Prairie Agwire for Tuesday, May 25th. I'm Corey Canute. Coming up today, we'll hear from Remy Goslin with the Canadian Grain Commission. The Canadian Grain Commission is proposing to reduce service fees collected for four official grain inspection and official grain weighing services. Remy Goslin is head of communications. On August 1st, 2021, the start of the 2021-22 crop year, the Canadian Grain Commission is proposing to reduce uh, fees for uh, official inspection and official weighing services uh, based on uh, adjusted uh, grain volume forecasts for the next three years. So... What this means is that uh, the changes would result in a combined official inspection and weighing fee reduction from a buck 48 uh, per ton to a buck five per ton, which is a substantial uh, reduction in terms of fees. That was for ships, that one? Correct. And we're also reducing uh, uh, fees for official inspection and weighing services for railway cars, trucks and containers uh, by close to $38 each. Talk a little bit about some of the savings there. Yeah, so, so based on the projected grain handling volumes that we've uh, come up with, which would be about 48 million uh, metric tons per year, uh, the fee amendments are expected to result in estimated uh, savings of approximately $14 million for this current fiscal year, so which would uh, be a cost decrease of about uh, 19%. And then also for fiscal years 2022 and 2023, so for each of those years, we are estimating that uh, the savings would be close to $21 million, so a cost decrease of approximately 30%. So these are substantial changes. How often do we see um, changes to these fees? You don't usually see these uh, because we set our fees on five-year cycles, but because of... Um, extraordinary circumstances, grain volumes have risen and we're responding to that. 
you know, the, the, these uh, increases in green volumes are due to the um, unexpected increase in rail capacity uh, available for grain movement due to the pandemic. And, and, and also we've seen the increased crop production uh, throughout Canada. So, so uh, the CGC is responding uh, earlier than anticipated and amending its fees. Um, because it's it's just not acceptable for us to be uh, collecting uh, money for uh, um, services provided over and above what the cost is to provide those services. And the uh, public and stakeholders have a chance to uh, comment on this. Correct. They have a 15-day period to um, to provide comment on this, uh, commencing Saturday. And uh, if all goes well, and if the sector agrees with what we're proposing. Uh, fees will be reduced as of uh, August 1, 2021. And Remy, I guess just talk a little bit more about what these fees are, are used for. So, so these fees are are collected uh, mostly to inspect um, uh, green exports through vessels uh, in Canada. But those fees actually um, cover not only the cost of providing that service, but also the whole quality assurance system. So a lot of the a lot of the background or internal services that underpin uh, the rest of CGC activities. So it's not just the direct service provided, but also the quality insurance system itself, the regulatory system, the communications teams like my own. Um, so, so it's all those services bunched into one. That was Remy Goslin, head of communications with the Canadian Grain Commission. The Canola Council of Canada has been working on getting a good understanding on canola establishment across the prairies and has now released a new tool to help in that regard. Glendalee Allen-Vosser talked with Autumn Barnes, an agronomy specialist with the Canola Council, on the new Canola Count tool. We created the Canola Count um, tool so that growers and agronomists could get more practice out counting their plants. They could be submitting data, so we actually have a really good picture of you know, what plant establishment looks like across the prairies. So what we'd be doing or what growers would be doing is going out into the field. Um, when you're out there, count plants, get an average plant density for the field, and then you can open up um, canolacounts.ca uh, right on your mobile device in the field. You can auto-locate yourself, enter your plant density information. It'll calculate your emergence for you um, and then submit. It takes about a minute to enter a field. Um, and then you get a really nice summary email. So if you're if you're out counting plants and scouting fields for for uh, staff or sorry for clients or or for farmers, then you can easily email the results to them. And then at the end of each season, um, there will be an email sent out with maps of what emergence and and plant density look like across the prairies. Why is it important to have this tool to monitor plant stands like this? Plant density and emergence can change um, quite a bit, and often a lot of often people don't necessarily realize what their emergence is. So a lot of people might think that they have better emergence than they actually do, or they might not understand that perhaps they're leaving yield on the table because they're not hitting that five plants per square foot minimum. So, so the the goals of this survey are really twofold. One is that data collection bit um, because we want that information so we can track how emergence and density, um, you know, impact our, our yield at the end of the season as we build towards, you know, the industry production goals. And then two would be the actual act of getting out and counting. So getting people out, counting plants um, in their fields, doing proper assessments in the springtime, that has a lot of value for growers. 
And we're also um, helping incentivize uh, people to do this by offering prizes. So every week we'll be uh, giving a gift card to a random uh, somebody randomly drawn from every province who submitted counts. Um, and that'll be throughout the growing or throughout the spring count season, and then again in the fall count season. What kind of benefits can producers see from doing these canola counts? Oh, lots. So, so going out counting plants is a chance for you to understand. You know, first when you're out looking at, at plants on the ground, you can start seeing. Oh, this one looks a little, a little bit sick. Um, you know, this one isn't. Maybe there's just fewer plants than you thought were there, or maybe you have more plants than you thought should be there, um, in which case perhaps, you know, you can understand why you're getting better emergence and perhaps adjust your seeding rates a little bit lower. So really it's about understanding some of the some of the good things you're doing in plant establishment and better understanding some of the challenges, challenges you might have so you can do better at it. We know that um, five to eight uniform plants per square foot um, is what canola needs to, to best to best perform. And so growers really understanding where they are in that five to eight, if they're not there, why not? That's, that's really valuable. It's about kind of giving more power to, to, to agronomists and farmers too, um, so that they better understand and, and can make changes. That's Autumn Barnes, an agronomy specialist with the Canola Council of Canada. For Golden West, I'm Glendalee Allen Vossler. Thanks, Glendalee. That's it for the Prairie Eggwire for today. If you have any questions or opinions to share, send them to us by email to farmdesk at goldenwest.ca. On behalf of Glendalee Allen Vossler, I'm Corey Knute. Thanks for listening and have a great afternoon. The Prairie Eggwire will return tomorrow on the Golden West Farm Network. Time now for a look at the farm calendar. Manitoba Pork is offering an online workshop today entitled what can biosecurity software offer at my farm it starts at 1 30 go to the manitoba pork website for details 4-h manitoba is having a video contest on now until the end of the month the contest gives manitoba members and clubs a chance to showcase what they're doing this year visit the 4-h manitoba website to register or for more details and canada's farm show is going virtual this year june 16th and 17th Go to canadasfarmshow.com. It's time now for the Bean Report, brought to you by Manitoba Pulse and Soybean Growers. Joining us today is production specialist Laura Schmidt. So in classic May-long fashion, we finally got some moisture to work with. Most areas got around 10 to 30 mils, with some localized spots receiving up to 50. Soybean seeding is well underway and complete for some farms. Earlier seeded soybeans have emerged and are at the cotyledon to unifoliate stages, Others are still soaking up moisture and are germinating. Earlier seeded peas are at the third to fourth node stages, while those that went in later or went into dry soil are around the first node stage. Faba beans are emerging or at the first leaf stages. And dry bean seeding is ongoing. Hopefully warm soils and good moisture will promote rapid emergence. We could see some uh, frost later in the week. Tell us about the um, impact of that. Well, frost is in the forecast for Wednesday night this week. Peas and faba beans have good frost tolerance, so if there is any damage to the main stems, they can regrow from the scale nodes or from the seed below ground, so they'll be relatively safe. Um, But on the other hand, for soybeans, if they've emerged, the level of damage will depend on the severity and duration of freezing temperatures. There is a risk if temperatures drop below minus 2 for more than 2 hours, and severity within the field will vary with elevation, residue, moisture, and more. So if you do get a more severe frost this week, Scout your soybeans three to five days after the frost to assess your plant stand. You're going to want to count healthy plants and those that show signs of regrowth. And if populations are starting to look really low, 
uh, below 80,000 plants per acre, a reseeding decision may need to be made there. To wrap things up here today, wanted to talk a little bit about uh, dry bean seeding. Sure, dry bean seeding recommendations in a quick nutshell. Plant dry beans from late May to early June into warm soils. Soil temperatures consistently above 15 degrees promote rapid emergence. And target a depth of three quarters to one and a half inches, placing seeds into moisture. Um, dry bean inoculants and nitrogen fertility recommendations are currently being researched. So far, the inoculants available have had little success, so nitrogen fertilization to an average rate of 70 pounds of nitrogen per acre continues to be standard practice. And that's 70 pounds as a combination of residual soil N and applied N. Um, research on row width and plant populations for dry beans has recently wrapped up, and you'll find the full results of that in this week's bean report. Dry beans can be planted in narrow or wide rows, with black, navy, and pinto bean types typically being better suited for narrow row production. Um, and research has indicated a yield advantage of planting these bean types in narrow rows, and target plant stands will vary with market class. And then finally, if you're considering post-emergent rolling for dry beans once your plants are up, um, that is an option. Target V1 to V2, avoiding that hook stage as they're coming out of the ground. And aim for a hot 25 degree plus afternoon. Be sure to check for breakage as you're going as well. And that's kind of it in a nutshell, so have a safe planting season. Thanks, Laura. Laura Schmidt is a production specialist with Manitoba Pulse and Soybean Growers. The Bean Report is brought to you by Manitoba Pulse and Soybean Growers. You can find out more at manitobapulse.ca. Time now for another look at today's farm news. Manitoba Agriculture says some cutworms are being found, but no high levels are being reported yet. Here's entomologist John Gavlosky. We haven't had any uh, large populations reported yet, and that's not really unusual because it's normally uh, late May and the first couple weeks in June when we have our biggest populations reported and the most damage. Now, what we are seeing right now are some of the species that overwinter as partially grown larvae. There's a species called dingy cutworm, one of the potentially more damaging species. There was a lot of them the last couple of years. Yeah, it's high levels of wireworms were also reported in some cereal fields in the central region. And the Canadian Grain Commission is proposing to reduce service fees collected for four official grain inspection and official grain weighing services on August 1st. Remy Goslin is head of communications. So based on the projected grain handling volumes that we've uh, come up with, which would be about 48 million uh, metric tons per year, the fee amendments are expected to result in estimated uh, savings of approximately $14 million for this current fiscal year, So, which would uh, be a cost decrease of about uh, 19%. And then also for fiscal years 2022 and 2023, so for each of those years, we are estimating that uh, the savings would be close to $21 million, so a cost decrease of approximately 30%. So these are substantial changes. The proposed changes require amendment to the Canada Grain Regulations. I'll be back after this to wrap up today's program. We've come to the end of another Manitoba Farm Journal. I'm your host, Corey Canute. If you have any questions or comments, you can reach us by email, thefarmdesk at goldenwest.ca. Today's closing numbers with more in-depth commentary on what's happening in the markets is coming up at 10 to 2 on the Markets Farm Program. Coming up on tomorrow's show, we'll discuss the weekly crop reports. Thanks for listening and have a great afternoon. Hope you can join us back here tomorrow starting at 12 noon.